Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is episode 68 and I'm your usual host Corporal Hicks aka Aaron Percival and joining me are my you know usual partners in crime Ridgetop. Hello again everyone. And Xenomorphin. That'd be me. Certainly would be. And apologies now for no episode in June. Uh, We've been meaning to do this episode actually since May. And I figure since I gave you all three episodes in May anyway, then you you can let us slide. You can let us slide on this one. We should have another episode up pretty quickly after this one, actually, if we can get our asses in gear and uh, get scheduled. And we've been an absolute nightmare for scheduling, haven't we, this last month, guys? Mm. Ridiculous. Yep. Trying to get this going since 2005. Well, considering the topic of this episode, I think that might be a bit of an exaggeration. That just shows how well prepared we were. (laughs) But certainly since May, because we uh, are doing a year on of Alien Covenant podcast. You know, we're just having a look back over uh, over the film after we've had a year to uh, digest and uh, read all the all the behind the scenes stuff and interviews and you know etc. and seeing if our opinions of it have changed any if we've learned anything from the uh, the various bits and bobs that have made us reconsider stuff but before we dive into that i, I guess a brief uh, recap of where we were um where we were this time last year so i think it'd be fair to say that xenomorphin and i uh, enjoyed the film well enough you pretty much hated the tropes um the horror tropes um yeah i i i felt from what I remember, I said I thought it was a decent-ish, like general horror film, but as an alien film, it felt average. And for me, it was pretty much when David, uh, not David, shows up when the alien shows up, and um, Scott starts playing around with that law that I took a bit of a. Eh. Up until that, I'd actually been really enjoying it. I, I still enjoy the film. Um, Ridge Top hated hated it. Uh, I think you liked it up until David showed up. Is that right? I did. I did not hate it. It was. I found it to be pretty disappointing, but I didn't hate the movie. That's not how I'd, I'd think from our talks. That's exactly what I said a year ago, man. Like I, I didn't hate it. <laughs> it was disappointing, just like Prometheus was. I think it was more disappointing than Prometheus for me, um, surprisingly, because when I was about to watch it, I literally had the thought, like, there's no way out. It'll be worse than Prometheus. But for me, it was. But I just watched it again last night to refresh my memory, and I, I've watched it a number of times since it came out, and I've, it's an engaging movie. Like I've never wanted to turn it off, you know. Like it's not, it's not a bad film. I just think there's a number of issues with it for me, both fan and as as someone who likes movies. Okay, so would you would you say there's been any significant changes in how you feel about the film then since since it came out and since you've had a chance to watch it? And- Not really. Uh, I think I kind of, my opinion hasn't changed really at all. I was hoping that the, the prequel novel would kind of elaborate on things. That was a whole other disappointment in its yeah. own right. I, I didn't even bother reading <laughs> that after what I saw it was about because it was like what everyone wanted it to be about, which was what happened with David and Shaw, it wasn't, and it was just this corporate espionage tale. I don't even think there was an alien in the book, right? Not as such. I mean... There was someone with dreams. Yeah, the, 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 the bad guy, the bad guy in quotations, had dreams somehow about uh, the evils and everything out in the galaxy waiting for the Covenant. 
and it was it was quite heavily implied that that, that was the aliens. You know what? I, I realise you guys haven't actually seen, uh, haven't read that book, but I'm I'm going to take a little moment to actually speak about that because we we haven't done a podcast on it. So I I re-listened to our podcast on on Coven recently, the the old one we did. And the amount of times I jokingly said Alan Dean Foster will fix it in the prequel novel. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. That was great. I listened to it just recently as well, and that was so funny. <sighs> it, was, it was so disappointing. I mean, there's, there's stuff in that book to like. So but when when it was coming out, we all thought it was going to be about David and Shaw and that whole time gap between Prometheus and, and Covenant. But it's, it's yeah. pretty much about the launch of the Covenant itself. It's, it's very earthbound. Um, it's it's well, it is earthbound. Th- there is some genuinely interesting stuff in it. I mean, there's a lot of world building elements. There's things like the um, the formation of Wayland Utani following Wayland's disappearance, and you get a fair bit of the Utani uh, Corporation industry. I can't remember what moniker it goes under, but the the Utani side of things you get a fair bit of time with. Uh, you get a bit of time with uh, James Franco's Jacob, uh, who actually is is quite likable and. There is some interesting stuff going on with the cult. You know, this idea that he's having visions of, of the aliens and stuff. That could have tied in so much better with alien lore, with the whole nightmare thing um, from the original trilogy. Or like some sort of distress call being broadcast by the engineers, that kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to ask, does it, because as someone who's read it, did it come across a lot like the salvage character in Aliens Book 1, the old graphic novel, or were they different? sort of nightmare dream thing well it wasn't it didn't seem to be like the aliens affecting this this cult leader's um dreams as such as um Sal- okay. salve was Sal- i can't remember I salve J. I don't salve, know yeah. no it's because the, cult the, leader. this cult leader um in covenant origins wanted to stop them going out there and that was another thing that was really interesting to me because the bad guys weren't in the wrong as such you know, they they wanted to prevent mankind meeting the aliens. But it was just... It wasn't what we wanted. There wasn't enough time with, with the actual Covenant crew to really, you know, delve into it more. And then you had some really silly things. Um, there was this whole thing at the end of it with the cult had put bombs in livestock. So you had sheep running what? around um, <laughs> and stuff like that. It was just... Why in livestock? Their their hideout was a um was a farm basically from what I remember. <laughs> okay. So, but not on I the ship itself. No, not on the ship itself. Random yeah. sheep. It it, it was okay. when they they went to the their the cult base to stop them. I mean, there was really interesting okay. things in there, but it just it, it didn't it didn't come across very well. I can't say it's a book I would really go back and reread and i would reread some of the 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 you know the more terrible alien books i would go back and reread or uh, original sin and here's something i intend to do soon anyway as well go back and look at that but I, j- I just don't find covenant origins interesting enough to go back and revisit original sin that was the resurrection sequel right yeah yeah that's right yeah and that's, i actually kind of like that one uh, it, it wasn't really for me that one it was a bit mm. It's been a while since I read it. I, maybe I wouldn't have the same opinion but, now. But, that, but... That, that's why I want to go back and reread it. I do actually like to keep myself refreshed of my opinions of these things. But Origins is just just disinteresting. I, there is definitely room in the Alien universe for an, an original Alan Dean Foster book. And I think there is room in there for stuff within mm. the Alien universe without the aliens. 
I just don't think that book was it. Well, I think that what you're talking about there with the book kind of goes to a problem with the movies as well, with Prometheus and Alien Covenant. The movies give teases of more interesting stories that were never going to be told when it comes to the engineers, when it comes to what happened with David and Shaw. Like we see little glimpses of that, but then nothing comes of it. And instead we're told stories that are not not stories we, we want to know in the the setting of the prequels in my opinion so it's about focus yeah like you see you see a tease of of david uh dropping the the bombs on the the engineer city and you're just like well what happened with that where shaw and all yeah. this like what's going on and then and then boom forget it you know yeah. so that, the thing with that is it seems to be them leaving their avenues open you know i did ask adf about it when uh, i interviewed him and he said that Fox wanted to leave that door open in case another film wanted to explore it later on down the line if they wanted to do something with it that was a bit more, and I don't mean this derogatory, a bit more than, you know, just a novel. I don't know. For for movies that, that have um, <clears throat> played with the lore as much as they have, it's kind of almost hypocritical for them to want to leave it open at the expense of exploring what is interesting in the because um, yeah, I, I mean, the, you can never rely on a sequel. That, that's the problem with a lot of movies these days. Is it feels like they're made for the next one. Well, which is what Prometheus felt like as well at the end. Right. Exactly. And then they about faced and went a completely different direction. I think that's a huge problem with these prequels in itself. They're so reactionary to opinions. And that's one of the things people complained about with the new Jurassic World movie. They they were saying the whole thing feels set up to see where the third one is going to go. I feel like this was a problem with both of these movies and like video was, was reactionary for the wrong reasons as well. And and we went over this. uh, We talked about this a year ago. This uh, Fox seemed to think that all we wanted was an alien in the movie. And that was it. Like that was, that was our complaint with the movie was there wasn't an alien. And that movie had a lot of issues. And I, the Prometheus has grown on me a bit. Covenant still hasn't. Um, so I feel like Prometheus was a stronger film because Ridley, I guess you could tell that's where his heart was. Yeah, you know? he, he was definitely more interested in, or it seemed he was more interested in making Prometheus than he was Covenant. I mean, from what I've heard of some of the behind the scenes chat from Covenant was that the alien was forced down on him from the studio. And the way he seems to slapdash handle the alien at the end of the film seems to show a genuine disinterest and he, he very frequently spoke about how he thought the beast had run out you know well before sort of covenant went into production um at least active production and then he he changes his mind apparently you know he thinks there's steam left in it and then following covenant comes out do you remember that interview where he he said he, he sort of went back on that and said, "Yeah, I think Covenant proved me right, and that there's there's nothing left in the alien." We're gonna, now. yeah, we're gonna go into AIs now. And then didn't he go back on that again? Like, yeah, wasn't there a more recent quote? Like <clears throat> I I seem to recall a more recent quote where he was like, "No, the alien people are like drawn to it, and it still has staying power." Like he's gone back and forth on that. Mm. Oh, was it some stuff when? Disney. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was around the, the Disney time. The first time we heard that Covenant was going to be a thing with Xenomorphs was after the whole Alien 5 debacle. 
And before then, they had straight up asked Ridley, are there going to be Xenomorphs in the Prometheus sequel? And he's like, no, I have no intention of doing that. So I, I do think you're right. I think this was mandated by the studio. They're like, well, we're making this alien film or we'll go with yours, Ridley, but you need an alien in it. And you were saying this in the last podcast we did on Covenant 2, Eric. You were saying that when he was like, I'll give you fucking aliens, it kind of sounded like yeah. it was out of spite, you know? Like, spite. Yeah, it did. I, I said on, before, on the one before that, when we that first got unearthed, that quote, I said, this makes me uneasy for how the film's going to be. And it turned out, I was right to feel uneasy because you could tell his his creative passion for the alien wasn't there. I mean, there's two things with Ridley Scott. I, I think if someone had shown him some, say, footage from Alien Isolation, which has the presentation style perfectly, I think something like that would make him rediscover that love. And the other thing is his memory recollection doesn't seem to be the best because if we're talking about like the Alien 5 Blomkamp project. There's that famous quote where Ridley Scott himself says, yeah, I've read the first draft. I like it. We're going to see where we go. And then a few months down the line, he's claiming there was never a script written, whereas we know from... James Cameron and Sigourney Weaver, it was written. So I, I do get the impression his memory is sometimes not at its best. Alien 5, not to get back into that too much. Like we, <clears throat> we've covered that pretty thoroughly, obviously, but, uh, and, and I've, I think we can all pretty much accept that project is never going to happen now. Like that's dead. Um, not in the, the medium of film anyway. Not in the medium of film. And that's, I hope for. Yeah. I hope we can get a screenplay yeah. released or a graphic novel or a book Definitely. or an anime or whatever. Well, Blomkamp retweeted um, someone saying, oh, it wouldn't be an interesting idea if his his script got turned into a computer game, but he's never said anything about graphic novels, so maybe that's yeah. where... If you made, a, made that a video game form, that would be that would be, that'd be an awesome idea. Yeah. Um, so, that aside... There's always been this question now of where does the franchise go from here? Just to interject before we spin off somewhere, um, I've just been checking some of the dates for uh, Alien 5 and, and Covenant sort of cracking off. So Alien 5, all the stuff around Blomkamp's things sort of started around about January of 15, 2015. And the mm. earliest draft of Alien Covenant that we've got when it was simply titled Paradise Lost was August of 2015, and that would have been John Logan's rewrites of Dante Harper's stuff. So there is definitely some, you know, time there for them to have alienified whatever, um, whatever it it was like before before that point. He was also brought on. The reason why he read that first draft of the Blomkamp script though was because. He was brought on as executive producer of that project on time. The problem is I don't know when he he would have because at that point would have been when he was privy to the the details of the fan reaction for the Robinson thing. So there is the question of of you know where does the franchise go from here? Do we let Scott finish his prequels and then go off in a soft reboot direction like so many franchises seem to do these days, or what? And and I don't even think we need the word reboot to be honest i mean you look at something like alien isolation that is a strong story very simple setup ripley's looking for detail about what happened to her mother but that story has human characters that that act human that don't make stupid decisions every other moment and it's 
it's a really solid story. And I think that game, as more time has gone by, I, I realize how good that game was, man. Like that showed the the strength that the franchise still has, the staying power that it still has. So I, I think it's it's a shame we don't have that same experience with with a film now. And I think you were right. I feel like Alien in the third act really felt like Ridley interested. One of the biggest complaints of AVPR is how weak the aliens felt. But in this one, you had one run right into a claw and get crunched. And the other was being (laughs) tracked by the ship's computer the entire time. Like, here's exactly where the alien is on the ship. And they just trap it in the tractor and blast it out of the airlock almost immediately. Like, there's no, like, cat and mouse. There's no, like, and that's the thing. Like, the alien might not have gotten a lot of screen time in the original film, but the threat of it was there for half the movie. It was looming in the background. There was that sense of dread you had associated with it. And this movie just lacked that. And it's a shame. Like I wanted to like this movie. Like I went into this movie excited and I feel like the marketing showed the potential that you, you had that was kind of wasted. Like, especially that one that she won't go quietly with, uh, Daniel's character. By the way, did we ever learn her first name? No, they, they purposefully didn't give a one. Hmm. We didn't learn Ripley's. I know a little weird tangent here. We didn't learn Ripley's first name until the second movie either, did we? No, that's right. Uh, well. Anyway, so that little uh, marketing bit that she won't go quietly where she is on the ship hunting down the alien and the alien's hunting her and it was just tension filled. Like, that's what I wanted to see in the movie. Like, I saw that and I was hoping that was part of the movie. I didn't even initially realized that was just another marketing short. So that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see the alien on the ship a bit longer and looming there. Um, so, cause, cause the way it was presented just didn't feel like a threat. I know I'm, I'm ragging on the movie and, and, and you guys who like the movie are going to be mad at me again for being so negative. So I'm sorry. And I don't berate anyone for liking the film. The film has a lot of good things about it. So, okay. So, where can we stay back to from here? There's, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of interesting points off that anyway. Like, I I would very much have preferred the film be all about the Neomorphs. I would have preferred they actually develop that angle a lot better because it felt a lot like uh, John Spates's original Alien, his original Prometheus scripts, you know, when it was when it was a straight-up Alien prequel, where you've got this interesting sort of predecessor to the Alien and then it crams the more traditional one in on the end, and as a result doesn't get treated properly. So I yeah. I would have really liked the Neomorphs to have been in it and the focus of it throughout, because I think that angle and the accelerant angle is probably more interesting than than David being the creator of the eight. I hate that. I look, don't get me wrong, I, I really enjoy the film. You know, it's a 7 out of 10 for me. It's under the original trilogy, as far as I'm concerned, but the alienness of the film, eh, no, I, I don't, I don't like David being the creator. I really don't. Although there are some bits I do appreciate a bit more about him now, which I'll try and talk about if I remember um, at some point later on about that whole situation, you know, um, looking on the bright side and everything. But this whole idea of of the accelerant, you know, the uh, xenovirus, I think it's been called somewhere. I, xenomorph as a name for the aliens it's not called the xenomorph (laughs) 
That's just any ET I know, thing. I know, problem I know. is, yeah, it's it's the fandoms just. Well, you blame Gorman. The that. production crew decided to take it on. Yeah. But th- this idea of the the accelerant, the virus that creates alien-like things, I think would be really interesting if they explored it with some certainty rather than a magic MacGuffin that would do whatever they want. But that's the problem. Like that's what the black goo is. It's a plot device. Yes, exactly. Which is sucks i i wish they would have something more it'd have been fine but it was, it, even back in prometheus it, the problem was it was an inconsistent hmm. plot device uh, if it was consistent it, it would have weirdly enough it would it be more interesting yeah which is what i think they should have done with covenant they should have focused on on it with a bit more certainty but then again i guess they didn't use it as as hand wavy in this as they did for the as they did for prometheus but it was this... they they kind of did with the when the flashback sequence and you have David telling Walter and he's like oh it it uh, goes uh, when it hits the air it goes into aerosol form or or, or something like that it's like well it never did that in the first movie it just remained liquid and yeah. it kind of boiled out of these things like what so I don't think it's as obnoxious as in Prometheus though it's it's not as clearly magical MacGuffin as as the as the original film I don't think. Anyway, that was that was a side tangent. I would like to see more of the Neomorphs in in the expanded universe. I really would, and and the Decons. You know, I'd like to see them experiment with with this new side of the franchise rather than race to David uh, introducing the biomechanical elements into the alien. I just I just miss those biomechanical uh, yeah, biomechanical elements, man. Like yeah. <clears throat> I miss the the Giger stuff in in the franchise, and that was one of the biggest disappointments for me. Mm. For Covenant was seeing an entire engineer city just look like stone Vatican city, you know. And it all seems to come down to money. That's that's what it seems to come down to. They don't want to pay Giga's estate to use his, you know, his other artwork, which is. But they don't have to. You have to do straight adaptations. They can just pay someone to do something with that aesthetic. Because one of the big draws of Fire and Stone. If you remember, it's that whole ecosystem, which you have those beautiful shark-like fit, mm. all gigafied, things like that would be awesome to see on screen, just with that kind of aesthetic. They don't have to be straight adaptations of right, well. and, and that's that's the weird issue with with biomechanical style. Like I have a, a book called Biomechanics, and it goes through the different like artists that that love doing that style, and you have like Goodlin who worked on Prometheus and did a biomechanical style, but it's kind of like the whole like, well, do you own a genre that you created kind of thing? So I don't know. Like I do think that if they did blatant-esque designs, yeah, the estate would probably go after Fox. Could be argued for or against that that's right, rightfully so. I think it would be unfair to say that Giga owns the biomechanical style, but he is unnotably the, the father of the style. Like you said, you had, um, was it Guttlin? I forget his real name. I can never pronounce it. Who has a very, very similar style who worked on Prometheus, but none of that was really in the film. And if they are wholesale using things that, um, that Giga seem to have created, um, so things like Ledward's back is, um, and I know Xenomorphin and I talked about this before we started recording, but it's very similar to a piece of artwork that Giga done. And I'm fairly sure that odd studios said on social media that it was very much a deliberate tribute to to that 
that particular artwork, that ridged back artwork. So I can kind of get them being Giga's estate being uppity about that kind of thing. If it seems so deliberate, if it looks like specific artwork that he's done. But I do think it would be really unfair to say that nobody else could use a biomechanical style without paying exactly. without paying them dividends. I, I don't I don't agree with and that. That's another thing, it, it depends like, how it is, honestly, from a legal standpoint. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like it it's sad that that kind of tension exists between Fox and the Giger estate. Like you'd think they could just come to an arrangement that would that would be amicable for both of them. Well, I mean, uh, if that was the case, they wouldn't have done so many species sequels after number two, because that was the last one that Giga himself was personally invested in. That wasn't in. Fox, though. That was MGM, if I remember rightly. Well, yeah. whoever did it, I mean, they are not paying the Giga estate for that. They're doing oh, variations on Sill. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't... And if they were, I'm sure... Fox is able to pay Giga Estate just to do some biomechanical detail on some radically different creature designs. Well, from what... I don't know the full story. What I've heard is bits and pieces. But what I've Mm. heard is that anything that Giga did for Alien, Fox owns. That's fine. But any of his other stuff, they would have to pay the estate for. So this would be things like his Ridgeback that seems to have been, uh, been used in the film anyway. And Fox asked they were they were talking about it back and forth about you know the the payment and the money and stuff and fox asked them for samples that they would uh, be allowed to use and then just sacked them off just sacked giga's estate off and i don't know it just it just seems like they can never get on i mean giga's never really had any pleasant dealings with fox following no. you know following his work on alien there was, there was that whole hoo-ha with um with alien 3 and them seemingly not understanding that you know, Giga's design wasn't necessarily going to be the final one, and the whole credits thing with Resurrection, I think. Was it Resurrection or was it Alien 3? It, it, yeah, was, it, was, it was Resurrection, yeah. Resurrection, yeah. So, I don't know, it just seems like there's some really mega bad blood there that I don't think either side seems particularly interested in mending. I just hope that they do mend it one of these days, because it's a shame. His, his work is a staple of the franchise, and I would like to see more of it, and I always appreciate that in in the segments we do in the games, like Alien Isolation, when you have those moments, like that's a strong biomechanical design for the alien. There's other elements in that game as well that show off that Giger-esque style, and I do kind of kind of miss that. I know we went on a big tangent here, but going back, I, I you were saying that you you wish it had just focused on the the neomorph and the Deacon. Like, what happened with that, right? I mean, if you read the comics, I guess you a kind of planet. you kind of know, but it's a mountain. Oh, right. God, yeah. oh, geez. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm a little torn on that. I thought the Neomorphs were an interesting creature design. At the same time, they felt kind of Resident Evil-esque for me. Like, they, they got to maturity so quickly. Um, they were so lethal, and their implantation and, and bursting process was so painful. Like, it, it made the chestburster look tame in comparison. And oh, I that think that kind scene. of... Great scene. It was, until people started slipping on blood and opening up quarantine doors and shooting fuel tanks and stuff. But I feel that the, the Neomorph made the Xenomorph look like more of a threat. Like you wonder why, like, but then that's, that's why you need to try and balance it out. So go back, go back to the original intent of the limited lifespan. You know, it, it, it lives itself to death and dies after a day, whatever, you know, something to balance, balance it out. I mean, it can't just be a straight up copy of the alien. There's got to be something 
different to it yeah, to make it interesting it just, it, to stick through. That true, uh, but you 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 just have to wonder why David would think this is a like the xenomorph is the next step after this rather than this is superior to the xenomorph because everything we see it do in the movie, it's much more of a threat than the xenomorph is. Yeah. It's, it's that within the context of the, there's no suggestion of limited life cycles. There's there's nothing like that. That's just me saying there's more to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. But in the framework of the story, it does look weird that if David is meant to quote, create the alien, it's weird that he would choose in the future to make a less efficient creature. Mm. No, I'm with you there. That again, like 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 I said, for me, the alien is when the film took a downturn, and pretty much everything yeah, about it was was when yeah. I, I just started groaning and putting my hand to my head. Yeah. But but speaking of David, then, and speaking of Giga, one of the interesting things that I've I've seen sort of hypothesized online, and I'm not saying it improves the film for me, but I think it's really interesting to consider. Is that I, know, David, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> David is like a fictional um, incarnation of, of Giga himself. I mean, obviously, there's not enough to see it because there's so little of, you know, the actual style. But just, I kind of like that. I, I think that's, that's an In interesting way? way to think. In that he creates the alien. He, he has these nightmares, well, his dreams, sorry, oh, you know, okay. when realizes his creation of, of, of the alien. I think that I think that was an interesting angle to look at him in that. No one understands the lonely perfection of my dreams. <laughs> I don't, don't you think that sounds like something Giga would say? <laughs> Giga actually came across as kind of an okay guy just outside of his like, odd dreamscape stuff. If When you see interviews of him just in person, he seems quite friendly. And <laughs> so I don't think well, he comes across the serial killer things, like... But... Yeah. <laughs> By the way, just a, a little mention here. The... Um, Giger Museum just recently celebrated its 20th anniversary, and I know a lot of the um, social media alien people were there, and I was sad to have missed it. I got to go to the museum my first time last summer, and it was it was great, and it looks like they had a had an awesome time. Happy birthday! Really interesting uh, Gigerisk lady in the costumes. Right, oh, I, with I the chained that. alien. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's kind of cool. That was some really well done body paint. That. And so, in in terms of. Uh, actual film then in terms of covenant i think i i watched it once when the dvd came out and then i didn't watch it again for ages i just i wasn't interested but honestly i think a lot of that comes down to fan interaction online i i get affected a lot by the current attitude and the current atmosphere around me so when it feels like everybody's negging on something that i (laughs) used to enjoy i can't be asked because I just feel like any mention of it will probably get shot down, and I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying it was like that everywhere. Um, you know, I, I think our forums have been relatively balanced about it, but for a long time that's what it felt like, and it always feels like the negative always speaks louder than the positive to me, regardless of actual um, reactions. But I suppose we can, before I do prattle on a little bit more, we can just sort of talk about how the reaction stands with um, with people online. Um, I know they're not infallible, but the aggregators, you know, IMDb and Covenant, uh, not Covenant, um, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so, Rotten Tomatoes audience was near enough 50-50, 46% liked it, um, with an average rating of 3.3 out of 5. Um, and on IMDb, it sits at 6.4 out of 10. So, you know, it's not 
it's not a three-er. It's not probably, you know what, I've got to check now what AVP um, Requiem is. Which sits at 4.7, uh, Requiem does. Um, <laughs> 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> hey, at least the fans were united in their hatred of that movie, right? <laughs> you would be the uh, contrarian about that. I'll be the black sheep on that one. <laughs> Our own polls on the forums uh, sits more in the positive about... Near enough, 50% uh, thought it was good or loved it. Um, 20% thought it was okay, and near enough, 20% didn't like it. So you know, it's not universally loved. Uh, it's, it's most definitely a divisive film, but it sits a little bit mm. more on the positive side than the than the negative side. But yeah, for ages that made me not want to bother watching it. But then in the months leading up to this, so probably over the last three months or so, I've watched it so many times with the commentary. Oh my god, how awful is Scott? I, I don't want to make this a ragging on Scott thing. But oh, damn. His, his it's commentary harsh. is a fucking diet. That whole home really? release. <laughs> the home release was awful, by the way. Can, can... What did he say in it that was Yeah, they, they didn't get the, the guy who did the uh, Prometheus yeah. Blu ray and the Alien Anthology set. What was his name again? Charles de Lozarica had That's nothing right. to do with That guy knows release. how to make a fucking Blu ray set. Um, And that was was absent here unfortunately yeah, it was it was so boring i mean the only real behind the scenes feature on it was a 50 minute you know group wanking of how awesome ridley scott is that's all that was i mean it was literally <laughs> called ridley scott's Masterclass or something like that it was it was oh, not dear. it was not interesting really at all so, um, have you listened to the director's commentary on alien which one like yeah, any yeah. of them because that's that's ridley scott in there good you're saying this one he was he said some dire things, or like compared to how he was on the Alien one. The, the the Covenant commentary is talking as if you haven't seen the film before, so he, he won't oh. talk about things. It'd be like, no, I'll 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 let you just watch this in case you haven't seen it. And then, oh yeah, so it says some daft things like the the Alien will, uh, you know, after the cranes split it in half, it'll regenerate when it lands back down, and the two halves will come together and. Yeah, they're not going to crawl back together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an awful release. Um, sorry, guys. Like, I, I'm a fan of the alien could regenerate idea, but just the not tail's to fine that yeah. level. Yeah, I mean, not 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 to that. Not not it, like on the Iron Giant. If that happened to an alien, that would I I will say though, just like with Prometheus, some of the deleted scenes would have added some further development. I feel and and the deleted scenes just like Prometheus I was like why didn't you just leave that in that would have that would have helped a little bit well, that, that's something else I I've watched a couple of fan cuts of um, of Covenant in you know in, in my mass rewatchings, and one of them which I think was the Chaos Edition inserted pretty much all the deleted scenes back in uh, some of the viral pieces and I know it doesn't always gel together flawlessly because you know you've got your diff- you've got these different directors um, doing these pieces but that extra 40 minutes or whatever it ended up being i think really gave a better sense of the characters the situation the story and i think i actually really enjoyed that a lot more than i did the you know the theatrical cut of the film i think scott's tendency to try and snip it down to two hours as much as he can really is detrimental towards his films or at least to this and prometheus I mean, have, have you guys seen any of the extended fan cuts or I, anything? I haven't seen the fan cuts. I didn't even know that was a thing until you told me just recently. I'd definitely be curious to check those out. 
I haven't watched any, but I am aware that some of them. I'm, I know that at least one fan edit out there. It was they've put together footage which didn't even have special effects completed, and they've personally managed to put in like holographic displays, and it fits seamlessly. I'd like to see that one just for the you know the historical relevance of it. I think so, that's some of the. They're, they're a lot better prints. than they used to be. Yeah. Mm. So you know. Over these last few months, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed revisiting it. And granted, the fan cut is I prefer, uh, and I prefer the book over the film as well. I prefer Alan Dean novels, Alan Dean Foster's novelization over the actual film. Well, it's because it's because you can tell he's a fan and he's he's really passionate about the material, which is why when something like David created the alien, like even he is like, I'm going to see what I can do to get around this, mm. and he. He tried to do that in the book by saying that it, it was a recreation, and maybe I don't know if we do get another Scott prequel. Maybe Fox will direct him to do that to say like David gets accused of just stealing what came before or something like that. That's a worry I have in its own right, though. I mean, how many times can he about face with where he's going with the series? It already feels like a stop and start thing. Yeah. It already feels like that's because it is. Yeah, exactly, and it feels it. It doesn't. I mean, feel they were seamless. making it up as they. Yeah, I mean, straight after Prometheus, you had Scott and Lindelof. They were both asked, and you know, what's the plan? And they basically admit there is no plan. We're just gonna see where it takes us. Which is funny as well because they had a plan for After Covenant, but the reaction to the film has just made them reconsider it completely. So this one time we. You know, they're actually ready and happy with where to go following the film. Everybody's been like, no, no, please don't, don't do it. So, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious to know. I'm, I'm sure we probably won't for a long time. The, the directives of the studio and if there was like, uh, you need to have the alien, this needs to go in this direction kind of thing. Well, it, it depends if it's greenlit another one how tight the production schedule will be on that because i suspect how much is it now less than a year before the disney deal is complete because i I suspect once that's done disney is gonna have more of a hand in yeah more of a say so and where things go whether that's for better or worse comcast has been trying to outbid them but disney just came back hard with like yeah. what 71 billion or something insane yeah, like but they want their back cat it's not about the marvels they want the back catalog for their streaming, streaming service, service. Yeah, and so that's... they can say to netflix no you can't have any of fox's stuff now that's going to give them a huge that's the, tremendous advantage that's the future brave new world like that that's what we look at Halo now, that's finally getting its own T V series. Like maybe that'll be the future of Alien. Maybe we'll have a TV series. Well it'd be interesting. It depend it depend on the scale of the show. We've I talked think. about that before, yeah. There's definitely re- it's like Hellraiser. Hellraiser would be beautifully suitable for a TV an episodic T V format. Because they the comics of Hellraiser some of those were far better than any of the films ever were. And I think you could do that with the Alien. You've actually, funny enough, better since Prometheus because I think you could have it visit various places story-wise where you could it have the story interact with creations of the engineers and such. So it needn't be directly to do with the Alien itself. That is one of the best things that Prometheus opened up is that these mm. possibilities of these other civilizations that it's had something to do with and these other creatures. Mm. And that, that is one of the things I did really like about Fire and Stone, 
you know, specifically the Predator line where it has the Predator hunting all these different aliens and it's continually finding evidence of the the engineers uh, while it's doing so. And then you've got the, the lab sequence, I think, at the end of the Prometheus mm. run with all these weird and crazy creatures in the labs. And that is that is the direction they should be playing. Some of the expanded universe mm. should be playing with that. If they did a TV show, it'd be ace if they played with that. I mean, Prometheus alone, I think, has the potential to open up the the universe and do more with it. But then Covenant comes in and closes it down a little bit more with the um with the so whole time the alien creation to, to humans as well. So it's it's like this balancing act that they just can't seem to work out. Well that's one of the things I think Disney will because Disney is focused on merchandise and profit and how easy it is to expand things. So I think once they come in, there will be more of a focus on that. I think we've said before that Fox itself has been in a bit of a limbo as to decision-wise what to do with a property. And like they farm it out to companies like Sega, but Sega themselves don't necessarily know either. It's just become a purely financial thing. Well, they've been in that limbo since Alien 3, right? I mean, people have wanted Alien 5. I remember way back in the day, they thought Cameron and Scott were going to do it together, and then we got the AVP movies. And Oh, yeah. I mean, it even goes back further with that Earth trailer for Alien 3. And that I remember at the time, uh, I mean, the internet wasn't really a thing, but I do remember when you read letters and stuff that wrote into magazines and stuff like that, people were really hyped based on that trailer. And it's still a really good trailer with a brilliant tagline. But it, it, yeah, it goes way back to then. It, but it's it's like every so often it, it's been like you go two steps forward and one step back. You, you you never get a sense of there's a there's a big game plan or contingencies or anything. Mm. I don't I don't think they really know what to do with it. I think they want to. I think they very much wished that it was something that they. They were nailing and that we were all enjoying. Yeah. But I, I, I think that the the wrong thing is having Ridley in charge of the franchise. I, there, I've said it. I don't, I don't think he sh- he should be given the reins anymore. And I'm scared that with him cozying up to Disney with um with the Merlin stuff, is him angling mm. to still be able to play in that sandbox when you know Alien does does end up being one of their properties. I've said before, I think he's a great visual artist, but the problem is he has too much input with the writing process, and he's not a writer. James Cameron was a he was a writer. James Cameron understands writing structure in a much you know he understands the disciplines of it. That's the difference between those two. Um, Ridley Scott, I think, is like Paul Anderson, where. In Event Horizon, he didn't have any input with the writing process, and it was a great film. It still stands up. Ridley Scott didn't have much influence, as far as I remember, with the original Alien script, because he just didn't have the pull back then, and Alien was a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Prometheus and Covenant, there are a lot of things where it's it goes off into you know crazy idea or ideas that don't quite fit the law such as in covenant now when i first watched covenant i thought the with sergeant lope he gets like face hugged and they i thought they shoot the face hugger 
And then it, Fassbender said in an interview that, oh, he gets impregnated with that little medical patch that he puts in. I recently rewatched it and I've, I realized, no, they don't shoot the face hugger. The face hugger has literally managed to impregnate him without even, you look at how it comes off. It's tube is on his cheek yeah. and it just comes off and it's thrown away and it spontaneously dies and it's somehow able to have been, and that's something that Scott must have gone. Yeah, let's go with that. Well, uh, at least it showed it dying for them to say that it had finished its implanting. I mean, small yeah, victory. But what but did it that, do? How that was it begs able the to question, do it? Like, that begs the question, why does it even need to put a host in a coma? Like, why does it need to be yeah. on the host for that long if it only takes mm-hmm. a, a moment? Like, not, not even that, but in Orem, when Orem was getting faced up, it faced up. Then he went unconscious and it was doing its thing. It didn't go, right, I've done it, I'll crawl off. So even within the you've got identical creatures and they're it's like one's in common with the other yeah it's just another one of those things isn't it where it seems like he just didn't Hmm. he didn't care they didn't think there's little things where it's like with the with the david thing about creating them and like alan dean foster putting that little line in his novel and unfortunately the novel isn't canon the the film is but by just adding that little line it corrected that thing and here it's like Ridley Scott. We know from other films he has this habit, like the the Ripley quest head plan for Alien that he came up with. His drunken idea. It's like he, yeah, he doesn't think that he he has loads of creative ideas, but he doesn't necessarily think them through logically. Mm. And um, you know that can be a benefit because he's a creative artist. But it's one of those things where it's to the benefit if you're doing a painting as opposed to doing a story. Or the story, it needs that internal, you know, logic and that. It needs to be consistent. Yeah, Ridley, he's made some of the strongest images I've ever seen on screen, for sure. Yeah. Like, this guy is is a visual designer first, I believe, uh, and a storyteller way, way, way after. Uh, and I'm sure he does a great job directing actors, but the, the key element in almost every one of the strongest movies he's ever done it had a really good screenplay behind it that he had to work with. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't feel like it would be a wise choice to make him the George Lucas of this franchise that's just in charge of all creative decisions. He he needs a, a couple checks in there for a franchise like this. And they need to be somebody who have, I would say, strong personalities, who would not just give in to Scott because he's Ridley Scott and he was the director of Alien. Somebody with backbone in dealing with when he's saying, when he's giving crap ideas. Well, that's kind of what happened with Spaths, right? Like, Spaths was writing a story and Ridley Scott's like, well, why don't we, we make them human-ish and we'll put them like the engineers were well, in a space fair, suit. I, th- I think Spaths came up with that in his pitch, from what I remember, but it did... I thought that was Scott's idea. Uh, I, I think I think that was Spaths' Scott, idea. Scott often refers to it. He said he was in a car or something and the idea yeah. just came to him. I think he, he might have mentioned spacesuits in the past, that it was a helmet or whatever, but I'm pretty sure from the first initial pitch meeting, Spaths said something about how did he connect, how do you connect the engineers, the the space jockeys to humanity to make them more relatable, something like that. I think it's all in the um, the Furious Gods documentary. Yeah. Well, how about if you had Alan Dean Foster be the writer? I'd love to see what that would look like. <laughs> I, would genuinely I don't know, know if he's ever done a screenplay, the, has he? Or didn't he ghostwrite Star Wars? Or did he ghostwrite the novelization? Uh, it was the novelization, I think. He splinter in the mind's eye, didn't he? That was going to be the sequel that actually happened. I mean, there's no question, regardless of that, he is 
I think that's why I, I sort of laughed when you said earlier about like a strong personality. And I'm just thinking back to the podcast you did when you interviewed him a little while ago. And he does come across as that kind of guy. I'm just checking now. I just need to, to see if he did. Digging up the dirt. No, it it, it, it was um, he was he did ghostwrite the novelization, so it's slightly different. I I think he'd be totally be up for it. I can't remember if I asked him. I, that, I, but... Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally think even if he hasn't done it before, he's certainly got the contacts and he could learn screenwriting relatively. Well, I mean, he's he's always been given screenplays to adapt. So just to stay, uh, I guess, a bit back onto things that we've. Um perhaps rethought in the intervening years years yeah with covenant um so i mentioned the david is giga thing which not necessarily makes me love the film but it was interesting but there was another <laughs> there was another thing that was brought up i think it was either by clara on the utani blog or the the lady that runs gothic love story gothic space horror love story there's another tumblr i can't remember its name offhand but one of those two um pointed out similarities between Probably one of the more controversial scenes in the film, which is the chestburster sequence. And I thought the... you were going to say the flute scene. No, no. Okay. <laughs> it was the, the chestburster sequence where David's raising his arms and the, the chestburster... Oh, the mimicry. Mimicking him, yeah. And they yeah. pointed out the similarity to some artwork for uh, Paradise Lost, where the devil's raising his army from, you know, from the depths, and he's in the same sort of pose that David is. And I'm like, ah, I see that now. And I can totally see that being a deliberate thing from Scott because of how much he loves to riff on artwork. Yeah. You, know, you, you had Trouble if it's, 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 it's like an obscure reference. The audience aren't oh, going to yeah. pick up on yeah. it, so the whole thing is lost. But that's one of those things that delving into it and learning a bit more about it gave me a little bit more appreciation yeah. for. I mean, it doesn't make me love yeah. the scene. Yeah. I still... So you, so you find out there is more behind it than you at first think. Mm. And even something we mentioned earlier, you know, the lack of um, the lack of Giga in the engineers' uh, cities. One of the special effects guys, I can't remember who it was. It was in the um, the Cine FX magazine where they did the, their feature on Alien Covenant. And one of the FX guys talks about how he thinks that the engineers did this very sort of um, Roman Greek uh, aesthetic, and he thinks that that was sort of maybe something that's in our sort of genetic sort of memory to go for that style which again it's not something i think makes it better and it's not something i necessarily agree with but i really i was like huh and in the script as well i mean um we've released two full old scripts and one prologue um of a script and there was something in there about david having a comment about how the engineers were so advanced and they had such amazing um, technology but they were still so stunted in some of what they were doing and that's the kind of thing where i was again you know i don't i don't love it but it was like that's an interesting take on it actually and this this contradiction of of styles and um yeah, you know, it definitely invention. felt contradictory yeah because i mean i i remember i thought it was interesting visually but i remember thinking to myself these guys are just basically living in stone huts for want of a better term and they're writing on scrolls 
I'm that you know if they're into genetic engineering and stuff you know we're at least they need like microscopes and you know <laughs> you need yeah. something like that lab scene in fire and stone mm. that and was a, that was the kind of technology you would visualize from they're this spacefaring race that comes to greet a ship returning like something that would just be like an airplane landing for us where they all have to gather in the square it's it's just like what's going on here that, like that kind of <sighs> I think there's depth in the engineers. I think on the face of it, yeah, that sounds stupid. You know, but there's I think there's some interesting stuff in that contradictory nature. I mean, it's ripe for exploring, I think. I think it needed to be explored, at least in exposition. Mm. You needed something from David to which I think Alan Dean Foster did some of in his novelization. Um, but you definitely needed something in the film because without it you've just got such a the depiction of the engineers in Prometheus versus Covenant, you're yeah, you're interested to see what has led to them being that, but you don't get any explanation. You're just presented with these two massively contradictory depictions that a lot of fan it's caused a lot of fans to be saying, Are these actually engineers or was that homeworld, which you'd imagine it must be because Elizabeth Shaw went off to those coordinates that were in the juggernaut or is it just a colony that the you know the the most of their civilization has actually gone and buggered off elsewhere and they're just like the guys who wanted to stay behind which i guess is another link to alien 3 in a way because i suppose you had the convicts there the place was just disused and they just decided to stay behind it might be that kind of situation they they were definitely engineers by the way yeah they were engineers but it's you know when, yeah i, I know what you're talking about so the engineer civilization or are they just like the dregs that just decided no we're going to go back to nature and we apparently some were saying like the whole who created them bit of prometheus was kind of hinting that they they were created by the space jockeys or whatever um i hope so yeah i mean that's that's the problem right like i'd still like to see the space jockey it's it's really cool to explore the concepts of alien and the space jockey a little bit but when you go full-blown and unveil all this stuff like those again those are the two mysteries of alien was the space jockey and and the xenomorph and and when you tell so much about both of those things it it kind of kills the whole aspect of your imagination running wild as to where these Mm -hmm. things came from and what they were um and that that's honestly the core of my problem with the prequels is is the in my opinion, the harm they did to the lore. Um, and, and not every fan's going to agree with me on that. Some I, people I, I, would I be like, agree with you there. You, you like what they've done with the lore? I thought. What I disagree with is the idea that exploring mysteries is bad. That's not what I mean. I mean, you can explore it, but when you have a franchise that has such this strong, you know, this, this core mystery, if you just totally, like, for the sake of shaking things up you're like oh well these are actually white albino humans and they created our our species and check this out like when when you kind of go full-blown in a whole other direction than people are are wanting and expecting when when you when you go somewhere completely off point um or what people are expecting yes i'm with you you're gonna disappoint someone Mm. i do like the idea of them exploring i mean no, you can explore it. I mean, look at look at the game AVP two. You go down into this whole like space jockey complex, and and you don't mm-hmm. see any of them. Mm-hmm. But but that was like an exploration where you see a little bit more, you get a little more of a sense of things. But it doesn't change anything that came before. That, so. Which is which is the problem with it is that it 
it is completely off point of what most people considered that it would be like. Which I guess is actually a whole other problem in itself is... I, I fully acknowledge that the reason I really hate that last third of the film is because it defies my long-held sort of imagination of what the aliens are, their origins, and kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I do think that is also a problem that the films face. I, As much as I would have loved to have um, seen the massive elephantine creatures, I do genuinely like the engineers. I do like... <laughs> I'm going to get hate mail for this now, but I think they are creepy as hell. I think they're a very interesting addition to the law. And I I think they can be, it would have been more interesting if there was, they would, their, their own thing. Ridley Scott hadn't attempted to supplant the space jockey with the engineer. Cause I think then you'd get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Cause you, you go back and you watch alien, you see that thing in the chair and you're like, there's no way that's a suit. Come on now. No, cause it's got teeth. Yeah, and it's you can see it's I ribs. I think it's got a tongue as it open, well. Like. But this, yes, if if you go into if you go into it with that sort of forensic detail, I say forensic detail. <laughs> you don't have to uh, be but, forensic. I mean, it's, even it's that 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 is that is such a minor little thing to pick out. I think in defense, it was of the one of the most significant moments of that no, movie. I mean, <laughs> the, the teeth, the teeth is, is a significant. Concept, no, I I I mean, as a defense to say that that is a reason why it can't happen. I think that is so minuscule and minute that... No, but when you're when you're trying to, you know, oh, mysteries, then it's weird that... I mean, we're going back to Prometheus now, but it's weird that when you, when you hype the whole film project on that basis, what you actually give as a way of answering the great mystery actually turns about, out to be more mundane than I think anyone was expecting when the whole thing was about who's going to go back and look at the guy in the chair sort of thing. Well, Prometheus um, kind of presented this this interesting thing with the engineers as well. Like when we first see them, mm-hmm. it's thousands of years ago. They're seeding some world and they're all in robes. We yeah. next see them in the future and they've done something to their bodies, like the, the pressure suits. You can tell that's kind of melded into their skin and, and yeah, they are neck, biomechanical yeah. beings. And I thought like, oh, they've like really advanced as a race even further. Like they're starting to experiment on themselves and what what is this Cybernetics, here? Yeah. And then we see in Covenant, they're all just wearing robes again. They've gone back again, yeah. In stone temples. And I'm like, well, what happened here? Is it just like this militaristic faction of the engineers that's been doing this to their bodies or or what's going on? And, and the makeup effects, I, mean, I know we only see the engineers for a short flashback scene, but they look way more human than they did in Prometheus. Like they at least looked... Like you were saying, Aaron, they looked creepy and like human but alienish. And really, in in Covenant, the little we see of them, they look like people with white face paint. Like it was just like <laughs> cheap. I don't know. Well, if it was a budget issue, it makes you wonder: what, did it, they it need was. to do close-ups of engineers? They could have just done an aerial shot. But then, but then people have been whinging about why you didn't see him closer. And well, yeah, they, then you could have done lose, that I when they, they were all blowing up with the, you know, being vomiting and that. I mean, that you don't really pay attention to the faces. I, I, it doesn't feel like they... they it, it's a, we're, get, we're getting you down, are we? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's frustrations I do share with you. You know, I, I enjoy the film in spite of the issues and yeah, I'm, I'm not i'm not yeah. blind to the issues i just you know i i share these disappointments that you guys have and, you know i i wish that 
Prometheus and Covenant had been more like destroying angels. I wish there'd have been more genuine biomechanics. I wish there'd have been some ancient Lovecraftian gods and angels fighting each other with the aliens and that kind of thing. But you can appreciate it for what it is. I appreciate for what I've got, yeah. But really, those things that I've mentioned so far are the only real things that I've sort of taken away in in appreciation for the film. I mean, I know you, you said you didn't really gain anything new following the film's release but what about you um see no more finn how many times have you seen the film since have you picked up anything new from it i've i've seen it a couple of times since most recently because it's like in preparation for this i will say i know you two guys have both specified the neomorphs as things you like me personally they didn't work for me i found that a very generic slab of flesh type design the neomorphs didn't actually do much for i think the concept was interesting but the execution not so much however um the first time i did rewatch it i think about a month ago now i made a point and this was the first time i'd seen it since like cinema release i made a point of saying to myself right i'm going to watch prometheus and covenant both one after one another. But I had to be in that right frame of mind to do it because I remembered being a little underwhelmed by both of them. Yeah, I didn't hate them, but it was those things where I thought myself, well, this is going to be like a marathon, so I have to do it right. But I was hoping it would give me some kind of reward because, you you know, you, you see it as a sort of miniature chronology thing like if you watch alien and aliens back to front you do get something from doing that it does put your mind in that place i will say that doing it that way actually gave me a a pleasant surprise it does actually add something especially to covenant if you rewatch Prometheus right before it there i don't know what it is but it did make me appreciate covenant and Prometheus in a way, because I hadn't seen that for a long while either. But they did give me, um, yeah, it didn't alter my view as a whole of it because I still understood the flaws before and what worked, what didn't. But the, it, it still felt like more of a cohesive whole. Whereas if you watched one of the alien films, the original ones, right before Covenant, it, it had that jarring difference. But if you do watch Prometheus and Covenant right you know, back to back, it actually really helps. So I will say actually that experience, and I did have to (laughs) give myself the right moment to do it. I will say doing that actually did make me appreciate Covenant more. Um, Even in terms of remembering the things I preferred in Covenant compared to Prometheus, like in Covenant, I find the characters are far more relatable, far more likable. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I thought was a, a big improvement on it. Definitely. Um, and I re- rewatched it again, I think a week ago. Um, and doing that thing, watching Prometheus and then Covenant, it, it sort of, it's, it's upped my appreciation. It sort of, it, it's, it didn't up it a huge amount, but it, it made me appreciate it more. And that sort of like kept with, with me up to the second rewatch that I did. Um, so, yeah, I haven't altered my opinion as a whole. Um, I do agree with a lot of fans when they say the moment that David turns up, I won't say I hated it from that point on, but I will say for some reason yet that, yeah, it does feel like the whole tone shifts for some reason. Um, 
the backburster scene is that is probably the best thing in the entire film. I think that is really well done. The tension, everything. I know Ridge Top earlier, you said about like someone slipping on blood and they're locking themselves in. Um, I actually totally bought that, um, especially on my second rewatch, actually, because the, fir- the first time I saw it, I, un- I, the slipping on blood, actually, that felt realistic. But the thing where um, I think it was Farris, she locks in Kareen in that. The first time around, I thought, why are you doing that? The second time around, like I was noticing little things that Farris, the actor of Farris did, like she's really reacting to how blood is spurting on her. And you can, I got a lot more in the second rewatch. The fact that she's concerned about like a pathogen of bacteria. She's worried about her infecting herself and colonists and that i got that much more on the second one so i could say that scene it improved for me but that's more about like taking in details i maybe i didn't catch mentally the first time around so yeah but little things like that i i did i will say i appreciate the film a lot more than what i did but i you know i the, the things that felt like flaws before they still felt like flaws this time the things that i liked last time they they I still like them, so yeah. yeah. The thing with that scene, like I, I feel like she got blood in her face and she was worried she was infected. She would lock herself in yeah. that room too, and then she goes, she goes back in with the shotgun and opens it up. Like you're breaking quarantine that you just said yeah, was necessary. Yeah, you, you can there, tell like, she's in Lambert mode at that point. Mm-hmm. She's not thinking straight, and that really comes across when she's speaking to Tennessee. I, I really like that moment when she's she's speaking to Tennessee and she's radioing him. Who's, and she, she does that like two or three times, and you can you can get that really palpable feel of like nobody's planned for this, and, or maybe they've planned for it, but not on this scale because it's happening way too fast. And then in the background, you, you I don't know if it's I think it's the music, but you're having oh, that mimicking of the heartbeat getting faster and faster and faster, and that really helped. Yeah, I will say Jed Kurtzel did an amazing job with uh, the score for the film. The music was great. That's something I wanted to bring up as well. Um, I completely forgot. You know, I've listened to that soundtrack so many <laughs> times since I've seen the film. I think that is probably my second favorite Alien soundtrack under Alien Three, maybe third because I like Alien Trilogy soundtrack as well. But yeah, it's really one of my favorite soundtracks for the um, for the franchise. Top three, at, at least top three. Yeah, and that's that's another thing. Like I know I've been ragging on this movie a lot, but there's there's things that I uh, I can pick and draw out of it. Like I I got the art book, I got the um, making of book, I got the vinyl for the soundtrack, and I'm really looking forward to um, Palette's book of oh, David's right, yeah. drawings. That's gonna be like so awesome. just a whole really interesting. volume of yeah. of the, those amazing sketches. Like that's going to be really cool to see. So I I'm enjoying the franchise right now. Like I. I just did that um, uh, Alien Descent attraction in Orange County, which which was incredible, and and the social media is really active right now, and the the fan film that they the competition uh, the that, short film contest uh, yeah the rewards for that oh, like that yes. that just looks like something really good is going to be produced from that. So I I think that the franchise has not been collected us like it's it's still active even following the divisive reception to to. To Covenant, and that's great. Um, I think there's a, a lot of really good things going on with with Alien right now. Um, so yeah, I know I just kind of threw that in there, but uh, even even things related to Covenant, I think there's there's a lot of just really interesting things to enjoy. A lot of really dedicated, passionate work went into this movie, be it concept art and um, 
uh, the special effects. Like it, 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 my problems with this movie lie in its story, lie in its um, just kind of like Prometheus, what it means for the lore of the franchise and some gaps in logic that left me scratching my head. But I don't hate the movie. I think there's there's a lot of good to be found from it. I think it's fair to say that whether people love it or loathe it or feel indifferent to it, it's I think the one good thing I can say about actually more so about Covenant than Prometheus, because Covenant, you know, featured or at least a close simulation of the alien. It's helped a lot of fans to rediscover why they first fell in love with the franchise. I think they're rediscovering their passions for the alien series. And there's nothing wrong with with having different opinions or anything like that and there's nothing wrong no with necessarily being divisive on it i just think it's i mean hell a- alien and aliens as far back as the start of this um franchise is divisive i don't know if i've ever told you guys this but um <laughs> when i first joined the fandom um online fandom it was the old mail groups it was um you know when you or news to, groups yeah where you used to do it through outlook yeah. and I was so surprised that one of the first things I saw were people ragging on James Cameron for the Queen. <laughs> Just never stopped. <laughs> but I, I didn't expect that prior to my, you know, uh, I'm not ancient here, but I'm not, I'm not massively, I'm not massively. You're not a whippersnapper. Yeah, I'm not a whippersnapper either. <laughs> so we're, we're probably talking near enough 20 years ago that this was me venturing onto the internet. So it's 20 years, of, you know, that after resurrection and everything that's after the core series has has, has been mm. has been going but that is a point of contention from the second film that's a point of contention from nearly 10 years earlier oh yeah there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with the different tastes all these films have completely different styles different things going for them it's just it's how we interact with each other yeah, yeah, I, yeah you're totally right things from that you're totally right. Um, I know the Perfect Organism guys just did a podcast about the toxicity of fandom, which I, I recently listened to, and mm-hmm. is is really interesting. I know Star Wars franchise the fan base is like, man, it's kind of a shit show right now from from what I hear. But well, Star Trek too. All of the, I I cannot find a single fan base that I think is particularly pleasant. Even Stargate. I love Stargate, and what's left of that fandom, I absolutely so bored of going on their forums and just seeing the same people negging on the same things and being unwilling to let go of things or discuss other things <laughs> and that that was the thing when when covenant came out i saw a lot of back and forth like oh well, a real fan would feel this way and it's like no yeah, come on like if, yeah. if you like the movie i'm happy for you i'm glad you enjoyed it i wish exactly. i could like it a bit more it's like we can have we can have debates and we can have civility with that and we can we can disagree on things like I'd love one of the most hated movies in the franchise like Ooh. so <laughs> I I know we're not always going to agree on stuff but we can we realize we're all fans and there's things we have points of connection at one place or another in this franchise of things we love I think pretty much everybody loves alien isolation except for you Eric but um <laughs> uh, no 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 i love the game i love the presentation style i love the writing i've seen but i i know for a fact because i've witnessed it i have seen the ai glitch glitch sorry like uh no i've seen and i know other people have reported this too it vanishes in front of you respawns behind you kills you instantly and it's a combination of glitching and sometimes i know for a fact it cheats 
the vast majority of it has no. The vast majority of it has happened like in that medical area. I, yeah, we know that cheated as well, don't we? Um, yeah, if it, it's just that glitchy nature of particularly that section, but I love the game in general. I just, I just wish my experience was like most other people's, where I can progress. <laughs> anyway, no, right, I, I my don't point is want that. to put that out there. I like, I like the it's game. It's just rich type teasing you. That's all that is. Right. My point is just that civility is important, and I do honestly feel that our fandom is a little better at keeping that civility than most other sci-fi fandoms these days. That might just be because the size of it. I mean, Star Trek and Star Wars are much bigger franchises than Alien. They always will be. But I, I always want Alien to be successful. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd ever want it to be mainstream. Um, but I'd always want it to be successful. Now. Not like Star Wars. Not like Star Trek. Well, no, that's, that's an age thing. I think in terms of a, a franchise that has existed largely, except for the AVP films, largely on a, you know, over 18 type audience because yes, of yes. the themes Accessibility it feels as well. I would say yeah I would say and also even with that a lot of people say oh yeah I got it because I, I played the computer games or I watched it when I was like 8 years old and my uncle played a, a film for me or whatever I, I think even with that it, it, it is pretty mainstream now it's just that Fox it's been ages since Fox has put out a product which is universally claimed that yeah. you know alien well, isolation that, yeah. aside because that's game yeah but I think that's the closest it's come to in recent years of putting something I out think, there that's universally acclaimed I, yeah I think you're right I think especially recently with all the activity on social media not only that there's so yes. much alien merchandise now like mm. So much merchandise now, like more than I've ever seen. Steady stream um, of books as well. We've probably got the yeah. steady stream of comics yeah. since the golden era of the 90s. So, yeah, I mean, this is essentially a franchise which is playing catch up. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're right. It's, it. it's becoming one of the sci-fi giants. So, uh, again, I don't think it'll ever hit that widespread um, it'll mainstream never be Star Wars. Like no. Star Wars, right. But um, it's one of the it's one of the more well-known sci-fi franchise and i hope it it continues in one form or another be it a movie or a show or a game or um i i think Everything. that there's a, there's a lot left to tell mm. in the universe and and yeah. i i think fox are genuinely interested in that you know we've seen it through the competition that you said like you said and we've got the game coming out we've got this constant stream of books and comics and they're they, they're they're interested in the in you know in continuing it in in live action, I guess, um, because Fox. They know there's a hunger yeah, out there. Fox came to um, me and some of the the other um, community people um, after Covenant came out and after it, it was a bit of a eh, asking, you know, what do we think the fans want? You know, what directions and stuff. If it wasn't a mainstream franchise, and to all credit to them, Fox are trying to make it as mainstream as they can. Oh, for sure, yeah. Would we not have Alien Day? I mean, every Alien Day now, it's just exploding on social media. Hopefully they can actually do, you know, maintain some momentum with that. And I mean, the last one yeah. was a little bit lackluster, let's be honest. But that's about the new release. I mean, the last one, yeah, from Fox. But they still had a novel I, release, a, right? Yeah, that was, comic that, was, yeah. that was when Cold Forge came out, which you guys need to read. We need to do a podcast on that because yeah, I, can, right. I cannot stress how awesome that book was. Hmm. But I mean, what got me was a lot of the creativity just from the content creators, the, the original YouTube 
channels, the blog. They were putting out their own stuff, but the I'm sure Fox was more than glad that they did. But that you can tell when the content creators are doing their own stuff, and you got they were getting loads of hits that day. Um, that's when it become it switches from just like a like a, an interest, whether it's mainstream or otherwise, to a it's really getting momentum and inertia as a phenomenon now in pop, pop culture all over again. And I hope to see that momentum carried through. I really do. We've still got stuff to look forward to. Yeah, we have. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> I do think uh, what you're talking about, Aaron, with Fox looking for direction, I think maybe the fan film is kind of playing into that. Oh, definitely. Know? Definitely. I mean, they, they, they've said what they want to see people play with, and, you know, it'd be interesting to see what does happen. I, I hope they make an event out of this. I mean, this is supposed to finish... December time, I think, for us uh, this year. So I hope to see some sort of event, maybe on Alien Day, with some sort of theatrical releases of these short films. You know, I yeah, think there's there's be... just that one sticking point though, which uh, the is US because only, of legal yeah. reasons. They it was yeah. yeah they I know for a fact now it was legal reasons they couldn't do it, but it, the fact they weren't able to open it up on an international scale, I I think has really hurt. Yeah, it's a shame because I know you you guys over there across the the pond have done some really strong fan films. Like, what was that last one that um it had the UKCM in it? Oh yeah, um, Aliens Epilogue. So that that was yeah, I thought that was, was our cosplay group. Yeah, but then you've got people like Sill as well, an Aussie. Yeah. He would have likely done a really kick-ass thing. Vengeance for Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was great. <laughs> it's a shame it, it wasn't an international competition. I, so they just they didn't even specify they were just no, it's, legal. It's, it's, so. it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's on there. But at least at least they had the you know the the thought to actually put that on there rather than us all start sprouting off about how evil you know Fox is for closing off sections of the fandom or whatever. But I I think that the chance there is is awesome, and I do hope they make a spectacle out of it. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And good luck to anybody out there listening who's actually um, entered that thing. I really am eager to see what, what people come up with. Yeah, Show, showcase the ingenuity of the fandom for us. Yeah. If you've got that desire to say, I could do a better thing that, and you're able to, this is literally your chance to do so. Hmm. So last thing Covenant related here, would you guys like to just see a hard shift to something new, or do you think they should finish the prequel trilogy? There is no trilogy, though. But, I mean, there would Ridley be... Ridley Scott's on record saying... Yeah, but we know... All right, I'll, I'll say... Knowing what we know of what Ridley Scott last said his plans are, where he wants to do, you know, four or five more, and he wants that to was before make the it into a War of the Worlds... Thing. Yeah, but that's the last thing we heard. No, I think Fox um, did that, say if, something about a trilogy, didn't they, Aaron? Uh, that's always been a point of confusion i'll be honest i have no idea what the actual word is on that and it has become a saying well what ridley says and what ridley actually means and what happens (laughs) yeah but based on that um he wants to literally turn it into a he's equated it to war of the worlds and star wars and that that isn't alien if he wants to do that he should make that an original thing or have it turned into a graphic novel. I don't want to see that. I'm happy with it just being cut off now and you can do, you know, to me, sequels, and I guess it would have to be post-resurrection era unless they do a Blomkamp thing and they, you know, they do it post-Alien 3 or Aliens. 
sequels open i think alan dean foster said this and when you when you hicks you interviewed him he said that sequels they open up more in terms of a creative canvas and i think that's what we're all interested in opening things up with prequels you do box yourself in in terms of you know whatever happens you can't have it have the stakes too big or you can't have it like in prometheus they tried to make it at the end you know oh if he makes it to earth they'll be more earth and we know you know it's a prequel to alien so you it's a foregone conclusion you're not worried about that there's no emotional impact um so for me i i would rather it be sequels just for the creative openness you would get it's it's the equivalent of doing it to as much of a blank canvas as you can without doing a remake and one day i'm sure they'll try i if he's changed it to fox or disney said right you're going to get one more and then we're going to move into sequels i guess i'd be interested to see with what ridley scott or maybe another director comes into it with as a prequel but my heart won't be there as much as it would be for a sequel i think a sequel in terms of you offered me one or the other i would be much more interested in where a, a sequel would go because simply for the fact that it's so much more open i'm not emotionally invested in the the you know the 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 colonists of Oragai six and that um i'd be interested if it came along sure but i i'd be far more interested in sequel i'm kind of along the same vein as you i must be honest i i feel like scott's used all my goodwill up towards him i mean mm-hmm. you know when when prometheus was coming out it was like a holy shit ridley scott's coming back to do an alien prequel and with giga uh yeah that, that was a thing back then wasn't it and then yeah it was that was the big thing yeah and then while there's bits in it to like it's it's not really it's not really the best and same again for covenant while i do like it in spite of its its issues where it left off and where it's going is it, not a direction i want to go and i don't think i've got it in me to say I'll give him another go. I mean, knowing me, I'll probably end up getting excited in spite of myself anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I'll always try and look on the bright side of these things and look at the things I'd rather, I'd like rather than I hate, but I I still don't want to see him do it. For me, give me a soft reboot is what I think. Give me a sequel, a sidequel that is alien, that is set in the alien, you know, universe, set sometime after alien 3 that that resets up the universe somehow and just do a good job at the end of the day just do a good fucking job that's all i want yeah I think regardless it's if it's a genuinely entertaining film i think we'd all be ready and willing to forgive it the thing with um covenant is that whether you were into prometheus or not it was essentially more of the same um, so I think it's a fair bet of saying if there's another Ridley Scott helmed prequel, it's going to be very much. It's not going to be where he suddenly changes tack. It's going to be it's going to follow those elements through. I don't just mean story. I'm, I mean, in terms of tone, it's going to have the same tone. Now, if you're into that tone, great. Me, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's just sort of like there. It's not something I, that excites me now because. I've, you know, we've given him another chance, as it were, and it's, it's more of the same. So I don't think there's anything new that we're going to get in terms of con. There's nothing that's going to blow our minds. I think it's going to be that same kind of thing. So it's, 
it's it, i feel i'm at that thing where i'm one of those guys who goes i want to see some new blood mm, <laughs> you know it's a yeah. new a fresh a, a fresh a perspective mm. and, and even if it might be like a new producer who helps influence really it might be a producer who comes on and says no look you've got to come and look at alienization and he doesn't have to play it through it but you can see footage of it and he can go oh i should have done this or that or whatever because there's things where they've done it where they've like played with lighting or and that i know this isn't story stuff but it's just a sense of atmosphere where a lot of people were saying they were hoping he would have done the same kind of things because it was all based on his techniques from alien but it's like he didn't do what he did in alien he just did you know this is you know back then to 2012 ridley scott so he's got a, a very different way of filmmaking now and i think if if he could go back to how he was in the 1978 you know it would be more iconic as a product but um I, I don't think we're going to get that now i think his name would be a detriment too i think i don't well, think publicity th- wise yeah yeah third time the charm's not going to work for the audience i mean yeah. we, well we... not with the 70 percent drop in ticket sales it was That's... almost 80 percent actually i think it was in the yeah. top 10 for biggest second weekend drops of all time and some people were saying well it was Pirates of the Caribbean sequel that came out that next week that really hurt it. But no, I mean, if a movie has good word of mouth, people go see it. It doesn't matter what it's up yeah. against. So I feel like general audiences probably liked that movie a little less than than fans did, I would say. But it's it's kind of a conundrum, right? Because well, it's uh, that, that, sorry, it's, sorry, it's decreasing again. Looking at the aggregators, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is it's going down from Prometheus to Covenant. So it's now at that point where 50% of the audience hated hated the last one. Nearly 40, 30% of the audience hated um, or disliked um, Prometheus. So it's at this point where it's going to be like, eh, I'm not going to bother, I don't think, with the next one. It's yeah. going to be difficult to market on... In purely again it's, this is not a thing that, you know you hate Prometheus and Covenant that we've said we like things about them but it is one of, in terms of as you say it's like Fox how they are going to market this Prometheus relied so heavily on putting Ridley Scott's name out there and yeah I, I can agree from a perspective of marketing I, I think that might be a little of a liability now and that's not that doesn't fill me with anything joy it's it's a bit you know frustrating to see that happen but it is what it is when you yeah. look in terms of you know that big drop in ticket sales if, if you're in the business of their marketing department you are going to be thinking of ways to work around that if you know one's coming and for um, sure and that that was the thing i with think Covenants. it's green lit now that was the thing with Covenant's marketing is, is we saw a lot of the alien. We saw a lot of Daniels running around with a gun. Like it was like, yeah, oh, it's emulating what came before it. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I feel like if we see Ridley Scott attached to it again, the audience will be like, Oh, this is going to be artsy and weird again with hardly any alien in it. <laughs> and it like that, that is a problem. So it's kind of a catch 22 because a lot of fans yeah. genuinely like the prequels and that it yeah. ended on a pretty big cliffhanger as to and and we've been promised like this is going to run right into the back end of alien so um it's kind of like well it looks really bad if you just leave it like that but at the same time if we're going to go even further off the deep end and have uh david be the king of orgai six until he becomes the space jockey and then ripley grows up on orgai six and 
Daniels was her mother, and then we're gonna have a CGI Ripley. If we're gonna get like all crazy, then it's it's best <laughs> yeah, just I'd to... rather nothing. Than... I, I don't think it'd go that far, but yeah. Honestly. Don't put it beyond Sky. I honestly think that he, he would seriously consider David being the engineer and the eggs being the colonist. I would not put it. That's past assuming him, he goes down the the I. I I don't think he's going to go down the egg morphing. I think he just does that as a fungal spores now. Because I, I think if he was going to revisit the egg morphing thing, he would have done it in Covenant. Well, they have. That, the... That's one of the things I was hoping for Covenant to cover, and he, we didn't get anything like that. So well, I'm in, not even sure Ridley's a fan of it himself. <laughs> in the supplemental material on the Blu-ray for Covenant, um, you have this weird message like David is messaging the company, which is kind of strange given the fact that he's still impersonating Walter when he messages the company at the end of the film. But uh, he, in this little extra bit, he messages the company as David telling them about the alien and essentially hinting that he wants to create a queen using Daniels. Hmm. Like, and I think if you go back to that, this was always stuck in my mind as well. Though. I brought it up once before, but if you look at the, um, the Blu-ray, quadrilogy where it has Ridley Scott doing that written uh, introduction and he's like written it there and he says something right at the end he says because there's something far more terrifying than the alien words to that effect and I'm still waiting to find out what what in the world he actually meant there because it's definitely not the engineers and it's not the neomorph it's I don't know what he had in his mind back then but I assume he's still got something in mind I'm done with him leave him be (laughs) <laughs> well, he was he was saying AI, right? Like he wanted to focus on AI now. Oh, yeah. if that's what he means, AI is more terrifying. As much as I love David, <laughs> as much as I genuinely love David, I know you're not keen on the the Doctor Moreau style stuff or whatever, but I do. I, I like that aspect. I just don't think he, he's written as a psychotic human being and not an AI. That's what makes him interesting to me. But but you know, as much as I like him. <laughs> I I don't want the films to focus on the alien uh, on 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 the AIs. If they, <laughs> if they focused on the engineers, if they focused on other alien-like yeah. creatures, yeah, that's fine by me. Give me a film on. Yeah, that would actually be of, of interest to me if it was if it went down the the sort of route that initially the comic of Fire and Stone started to go down. That that would be of genuine interest to me. Um, where Fire and Stone ultimately went, you know, it ended up, I was not a fan of, but I really liked how that opened up. Um, if it was something like that, whether that's in sequel or prequel to it, I mean, David would be the obvious instigator of something like that, I suppose. Um, that would genuinely interest me. But um, again, I think right, right now... Re- if Ridley Scott is allowed as much input into the creative, the writing side of it, it's a gamble. Mm-hmm. If if there's another one where he's not, and the thing is, he's a producer, so he can insist upon that. If if he has the same level of creative input, I think that the same problems could crop up again. That that is where the crux of it all lays, mm-hmm. and that that's what I think would be the linchpin on whether that would be something which would genuinely. People go and they go, oh, this is could be as good as Alien. You could get fandom interested again. But until we've got a guarantee of that, um, it's going to be a gamble, unfortunately. Also, Life and life and Death coming out on hardcover soon, right? It's uh, getting a big hardcover. Yes, yes, later this year, I do believe. 
about time. That ended on a cliffhanger as well. So maybe we'll see a trilogy with that. Who knows? I don't think I've seen them talk about that. A, a continuation for that. Anyway, you reckon we're done? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Possibly. I think so. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Again, apologies that this one's a little bit uh, later coming out, but hopefully you've still enjoyed this. So, as as always, make sure you, you're checking us out on the website, checking us out on the socials. We're also trying to be more active on YouTube now. Um, but we'll we'll see how well we accomplish that. But you can um, you can find us on Alien vs Predator Galaxy on YouTube uh, with some lore videos, with some gameplay videos, that kind of thing. So do uh, do be sure to check them out and give us a subscribe if you like um, what we've done so far and you want to keep track of what we're going with. You can you can find me personally on Twitter at underscore Corporal Hicks. Uh, Ridgetop, where are you at, boy? If you'd like to follow me personally on Twitter, it's just at Ridgetop21. So you know more of him? Um, I'm at DeviantArt at Sentinalysis. Um, at the moment, I'm helping to design and create a, a cover for someone's fantasy book. So, um, but once I'm done with that, I will um, be uploading new stuff. I always say this every time <laughs> I point out my DeviantArt. Last things were on there like two years ago, but I am involved in commission stuff at the moment. So once that's done, I will get a chance to um, put stuff up on there. Yes, CGI art. Well, thank you everybody for listening. As always, please, if you've got any feedback, you know, you want to reply to anything we say, we've said, um, or if you want to raise some points that we might have missed, please let us know, you know, comment on the post, um, whether it's on socials, on the forum, um, whatever, just we're always happy to hear back from people. This has been Corporal Hicks. And Rich Top. Xenomorphin. Signing off. <laughs>